Amen, amen. Hey, welcome to Victory Church. So excited to have you this morning, whether you are here in person or whether you are watching online with us, the presence is thick in this place, and we're so glad that we're able to be in your home, able to be on your phone, whatever it is, where you're able to hear a worship set like that and the word that we have for you today. Again, just welcome to the Victory Church family. Do me a favor, if you are watching online, we got a few people with us today in the house. Uh, let's hear a little bit of noise from those who are with us this morning. Come on, let me hear you real quick. Give us some love. There we go. We got some love happening inside Victory Church today. And if you're watching with us online, do me a favor, there'll be a number coming up on the screen. If you'll just text that, uh, Victory18, to that number, what's going to happen is there's going to be a digital connection card that comes your way that you can fill out. That gives us just a little information about you, lets us know that you're watching with us, lets us know that you're a part of the family, gives us the opportunity to reach out to you, connect you, uh, answer any of your questions, and so on. So if you can, do me a favor, either now or even after the message, text that for us, please. Also, uh, by the time you're watching this, I don't, I don't know when exactly you'll watch this or hear this. Um, it could be too late, but I do want to encourage you. We have, I think, four, maybe three spots left in our first ever discipleship class that is happening uh, here in a couple of weeks. And so it's a six-week class where we're going to really dig into how to be a disciple and how to make a disciple. And our numbers are very limited because of the pandemic. And, and we have all kinds of things in place. There'll be another one in the fall as well, as we'll record the actual information but the class itself allows you to do Q&A. It allows you to have some fellowship time. Um, and again, we had limited spots, and those spots started filling up quickly. And so again, by the time you watch this, uh, hopefully, if, if it's already filled, I'm sorry, you can uh, register for the fall. But if you're hearing this now and there is a spot, run to our Facebook, run to our website, register as quick as you can so that you can be a part of that class. Amen, church. Amen. All right, last but not least, we are in a series called The Journey, where we are going through the book of John, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we're using that to help uh, build what we believe when it comes to Jesus. And so one of the things I've really been encouraging you to do is to get a journal. And so hopefully you've done that. Hopefully you have gotten, uh, I really encourage a paper Bible as well so that you can kind of mark in that, highlight that, and you'd be able to take the journal notes and the scriptures and be able to share them with friends and be able to make disciples that way. So do me a favor, get a journal. Uh, if you're hard-headed and you don't get a journal through the John series, you're going to definitely want one in the series we're doing after Easter called Believe that is based on the book of Acts. And so come on church, get with it. Let's be taking notes so that we can take this information and share it. Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go. John chapter 17 is where we're at today. So if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17. You can actually go ahead and turn to verse 20 because we're going to start in verse 20, whether you're on your phone or a paper Bible. John chapter 17, verse 20. Let me tell you what's happening leading up to verse 20 so that you'll be caught up. In the past few chapters, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about how Jesus is the only way. We've talked about how to, how to know you're praying correctly. We've talked about how to reclaim your rhythm. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit. It was kind of our introduction message to the Holy Spirit, uh, to which I will continue once we get to the book of Acts. But we've, we've been, really been talking about a lot of things that Jesus is trying to, to uh, edify and reaffirm to his disciples because Jesus is getting ready to leave. Uh, we're getting really, really close to Jesus being arrested, beaten, crucified, killed, resurrected, and then ascending to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And so he's prepping his disciples as we're getting closer and closer for this. So for example, last week we talked about how Jesus said, hey, you need the Holy Spirit. He's coming, I'm leaving, and you need him. 
And, and this week is no different. It's another chapter of Jesus prepping his disciples for his departure. But here's what's unique about John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is actually broken up into three prayers, okay? So in the first section, Jesus prays that God would be, prays that God would be glorified through what's about to happen, through the, the death and the resurrection, that God would be glorified. So Jesus takes a moment and prays in the first, uh, first one-third of John 17 that God would be glorified. Then in the second third of it, he prays for his disciples, the 11 disciples, because Judas has left. So he's praying for his 11 disciples. Now, in the last third of it, that was what we're about to read today, he prays for you and for me. So what we're about to read, please understand, is Jesus Christ, Jesus praying for you. This, he, he thought about you. He envisioned you. He knew what, who you would be, what you would look like. He knew what we would be dealing with. And you're going to see the incredibleness of this. He knew what we would be dealing with in 2021, February 2021, so much that this was his prayer for you and for me. John chapter 17, verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. He's referring to his disciples. He had just got done praying for them, and he says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, and that's us. We believe in Jesus through the message of the disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and so he says in Acts, different, different books of the Bible, so now he's praying for us. It's, it's affirmation that he's praying for us. Here's his prayer for us, that all of them may be one. When I, when I pray for them, I want all of them to be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you've loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I want to talk to you this morning from the idea just for a moment, when our powers combine, when our powers combine, if, depending on how old you are, if you, if you are a 90s kid, when, when I say those words, when our powers combine, it's possible that you go from where you are right now and you go into like this trans, uh, transfer portal type thing and you go all the way back to when you were a child and you were watching a show called Captain Planet, Captain Planet right? Who doesn't love Captain Planet? You know, if, if, in case you're, you're young and you don't remember what that is, you don't know what that is, number one, your parents should educate you today by making you watch an episode of that. But, but basically what would happen is you had like these five teenagers or young adults, whatever they were, and they would gather and they all had these rings. Remember the rings? And they all represented something different. So you had earth and you had fire and you had wind, not, not, not the band, okay? And so you had earth, wind, fire, heart, and, and water. And so they all, you know, they all represented one of the other. They had their rings and they'd come together and they'd be like, earth, 
wind, fire, heart, water. And when our powers combine, we form Captain Planet. I'm having way too much fun on this. That you know, I mean, I, I, just, I love the show, and it was just such this this unification that was happening when these teenagers would come together and they all represented something different. But when they came together, they formed this Captain Planet. And anytime there was a villain who was trying to hurt, hurt the Earth, they would combine together to fight the villain. It was amazing. I loved it. And as weird as that might sound, as I read over John 17 over and over and over, for some reason, I kept getting this picture of Captain Planet. And here's why. Think about this. Jesus is leaving, and he knows that the gospel is about to be left in our hands, okay? So Jesus knows I've got to go, and I'm about to leave the gospel, the hope of the world, in our hands. So therefore, he sits back, and he goes, all right, I need to pray for them. And he starts to pray for me, and he starts to pray for you. And he doesn't pray for miracles. He doesn't pray for some ridiculous anointing. He doesn't pray for some crazy power. He doesn't pray that we can learn how to split Red Seas or how to walk on water. Jesus, knowing he was leaving the gospel in your hands and in my hands, sits down and takes a moment to pray for you and for me, and his prayer is for unity. Isn't that interesting? That, that Jesus, knowing I'm leaving, and the hope of the world is left in their hands. I could pray for power. I could pray for anointing. I could pray for miracles. I could pray for all these things. But what I choose to pray for, because I know that their biggest struggle will be oneness. And so I'm going to pray for oneness. Because once they understand the importance of oneness, they understand how they could change the world. I think it's so cool that Jesus prays for his disciples. But, but, but then he has this vision to pray beyond his disciples because he knew that countless others who would also become disciples later on, watch this, they would come from every nation, they would come from every language, every culture, every class, every status, and from every age. So Jesus knowing that, come from every nation, every language, every class, every age. Jesus stepped back and said, Father, make them one. Jesus prays for oneness in our lives because he knew that without oneness in our lives, watch this, we would pit ourselves against each other. If we don't have oneness in our lives, we will find ourselves fighting against each other, meaning Satan doesn't even have to try and defeat us. We, the body of Christ, are defeating ourselves. That's insane. Jesus knew. Jesus, thousands of years ago, being able to see past what he was looking at, 11 disciples who had sold out, being able to look past them and see us today in this building, knowing that we're weeks away from starting a discipleship class, knowing that we held the gospel in our hands, that people's salvation was up to us. Jesus said, I'm going to pray for oneness 
Because if they do not have oneness in their life, then my children, red and yellow, black and white, will pit themselves against each other. And Satan will not have to worry about stopping them because they will stop themselves. So powerful to me. And I think we all could stop for a moment and look around and go, that's exactly what's happening. It's exactly what's happening. The very thing that Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17, because he knew, he knew that in the middle of something, in the middle of opportunity for the gospel to go forth, the difficulty would be unity. So Jesus prays for oneness. Now listen to me before we go any further. When Jesus prays for oneness, he's talking about something like something that is unity. But, but here's what I want you to understand. That the oneness he was talking about is not sameness. Okay? Oneness is not sameness. When Jesus prayed for oneness, he wasn't praying for sameness. Let's go back to John chapter 17. Verses 20 and 21 are kind of our, 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 our bedrock foundational verses for this. So again, for your journals, these are the verses you want to write down so that you can be able to share this with somebody. He goes on to say in verse 20, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, watch 21, that all of them may be one. That all of them may be one. Oneness. Jesus is praying for oneness. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Now, this is a powerful statement. Jesus says, I'm praying for oneness amongst my daughters and sons, and I want them to be one just as you and I, Father, are one. Jesus is comparing our oneness with the oneness of the Trinity. He's literally saying, me, you, and the Holy Spirit, we're one. And I'm praying that my children, red, yellow, black, and white, will be one just like me, you, and the Holy Spirit are one. The Holy Spirit is three distinct, I'm sorry, the Trinity is three distinct persons that do and walk and move and think all as one, right? We've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks. Jesus constantly said, I don't do anything that my father hasn't told me to do. Then he said, the Holy Spirit won't say anything that God didn't. We were three distinct persons, but we are all moving as one. When Jesus prays for oneness, the illustration he's using is that of the Trinity. And he's saying, I want you to be distinct people. I don't want you to look the same. I don't want you to like the same music or dress the same, but I want you to be who you are, but we have to move and think and do and have one agenda. The oneness that Jesus is praying for is not uniformity, and it's not sameness. Instead, watch this, it's when we combine our unique differences together, heading toward a common goal that is bigger than our individual preferences. The oneness that Jesus is praying for is that you and I could come together, keep our unique differences. That's what's unique about you. You were born here, you speak that language. This is your culture that's unique about you. But hey, let's take all of those differences and let's come together towards one common goal. 
one common agenda. Did you know that in just Christianity, there are 33,000 denominations? In just Christianity, 33,000 denominations. And in all of these, in all these denominations, we're, they're all different thoughts on how we should serve God. These are some of the things that these denominations all differ in. You ready? So, uh, we, we differ in how we eat. Certain denominations won't eat this or will eat that. Certain, you know, certain denominations will eat anything. We're different in how we worship. Different in style of music. Different in clothing. Different in rules and the interpretation of rules. Different in freedoms. Different in building style. Interpretation of scripture. Doctrinal distinctions, race, economy, and watch this, we're even different in sin. Different in what we believe about sin. 33,000 denominations in just Christianity. And all of these things, all of these things are, are different things that, that different denominations, this denomination believes this and this denomination believes that. Meanwhile, Jesus is sitting back praying for unity, oneness. And we all have these different, listen to me, the most powerful group in the world is the church. Do you believe that? The, the most powerful group in the world is the church. And the most common tool that Satan uses to stop the church is division. Let me give you the best example I can give you. Let's look at what's happened over the past couple of months. There, there wasn't a better moment for the church than right now. The world's going through a pandemic. You have racial injustice, that you know, revelation of racism, all these different things are happening. Then we get into an election year. Now we're into a snowmageddon. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just one thing after another. There has never been a greater time for the church to step up and not only help out physically and be able to provide where needs are, but to be able to step up with hope and security and faith and a promise that there's more and the belief that things are going to be better, and a hope that chains can be broken, and a hope that there's power in the name of Jesus, and in hope that one day things will be better. There's never a better time for the church, and the entire world's online, which means you don't even have to come to church anymore, and you can hear the gospel. It's set up to be a strike for the church. And if you grab somebody right now and you ask them, they will tell you that the church has never been more what? Divided. Because <laughs> Satan knows. The second the church starts, y'all ever seen the movie Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's an old movie. But there was this scene where he's getting ready to fight. And he's like putting on this vest and he's putting this eye black stuff on his face, you know, and he's grabbing machine guns and putting knives in places and grenades and all. He's getting ready for war. And every time Satan sees the church start doing that, every time he sees the church step up and start, all right, we're about to do this. The tool he always goes and gets is division. Because if he can keep us divided, then we lose that power. And now where Christ could have been elevated and the gospel could have been preached, we're spending all these hours talking about our little differences 
instead of talking about the one agenda, the kingdom that changes lives. Why would the world listen to the church if we can't even get along? Right? The church is supposed to be this, this incredible entity that comes with this Jesus who loves everybody. How are they going to believe us when we, even we can't be unified? You know what I mean? Like, like, you want me to believe that the God you follow loves everybody and yet you can't love everybody? How could the world ever believe in the church if the church can't get along? Think about this. Jesus wanted his church to be the model, especially at a time like this, to show the world what true oneness, equality, and freedom can produce. But here's what we forget. That the goal of the church is not the church itself. It's the kingdom. Any church, not, not, yes, Victory Church, but every church. When it comes to the church, the goal of the church has never been the church itself. It's the kingdom of God. The second that the purpose of the church becomes the church itself, it starts to alienate people. It starts to focus on their agenda instead of God's kingdom agenda. And if you've ever wondered, side note, homework, if you've ever wondered, how could people who are so different be so unified? You have to give them the same goal. Look at every sports team, every football team, every basketball team. Look at every team event ever. The team is often made up, almost every time, made up of people who are so different. Different cultures, different races, different age, different thought patterns, different processes. But they're all after what? One goal. I love the way Tony Evans said it. He said, if the enemy can bring about division in the family of God, our witness becomes a waste of time. Think about this, right? Like, like here we are out to witness about this Jesus, the Jesus who the power of his name breaks chains. And if we go out as this family of God and we are divided, then our witness becomes a waste of time, right? Everything that we're saying, people start to second guess. Because again, why would somebody believe in the church? How can the church be helpful if the church can't even get along? But if we're not careful, watch this. We will hold so tight to our preferences. And I love this thought. Either out of protection or pride. Think about this. When we tend to, when we tend to hold tight to our preference, it's either out of pride, my preference is the right preference, or it's out of protection. If I lose my preference, then things will change and I'll lose my protection. So we hold tight to our preference, either out of protection or pride, and we end up alienating anyone who is different, and this creates sameness instead of oneness, where we will surround ourselves with people who look like us, sound like us, think like us, and feel like us. Isn't that, isn't that what's happening? I mean, if we, got, we jumped on social media for a moment. And that's what people want to surround themselves with sameness but Jesus wasn't praying for sameness. He was praying for oneness. 
because he knew that if we get focused on sameness, if we start to think that we got it figured out and that our agenda's right, and our, because here's what's the secret about being after a kingdom agenda. It's not my agenda. So you don't have to, if, if you go for what I'm going for, you, you don't lose and I don't win. We both win because it's not my agenda and it's not your agenda. It's God's agenda. But when we're after our agenda, then what we start to do is we start to, again, out of protection and pride, cover our agenda and alienate people who don't look like us, sound like us, think like us, do like us. And now we live in sameness when Christ wanted us to live in oneness. And in that circle, the circle of sameness, we'll never be able to solve problems, we'll never be able to love other people, and we'll never be able to change the world. Yet culture and society is trying everything it can to push you to sameness. Sameness, sameness, sameness. And Jesus is such an OG that thousands of years ago, he knew, he knew. He was praying for the resurrection and the death. Oh, does that just glorify God? And then when it came time to pray for us, Jesus knew that in 2021, Satan would be working so hard to take the body of Christ, every man, every woman, every red, yellow, black, and white son and daughter of Jesus Christ, the enemy would be working so hard to separate us and get us to stay in circles of sameness. Because in sameness, we're comfortable. And Jesus said, I got to start praying now because they will never fulfill my agenda and the gospel will never be shared. They'll never experience broken chains. They'll never walk in the true power of God as long as they are staying in sameness. It's not until they get into oneness because in sameness, I can solve some problems, but I can't solve all of them. In sameness, I can love some people but I can't love all of them. In sameness, I can change some things, but I can't change the world. But in oneness, when there's a unique way where all of these circles can come together under one kingdom, one agenda, one heading, not only can I solve every problem, not only can I love every person, but I can change everything. Oneness. Jesus prays this because he knows that when we are one, we can overcome. But if we are not one, we will be overrun. And I kind of feel like that's what's happening right now. I feel like there's a place where the body of Christ is being overrun. When we were called and created to overcome. And the problem has to be that we are not one. I have a good friend that has a ministry. It's called We Are One, and it promotes the idea of unity. And, and when I read John chapter 17, it jumps off the page at me. And maybe I'm more sensitive to it right now because of what's happening in our culture, but it's clear as day that my Savior, my Savior didn't just die on a cross for me so that I could be free and enjoy freedom. My Savior died on a cross for me and then prayed for me to be able to walk in oneness so that I could experience heaven 
on earth. See, here's what's interesting. Jesus didn't just pray for oneness for oneness sake. He, he didn't just pray for oneness because it's a, it sounds cool. He didn't just pray for oneness because he's Jesus and that's the, he prayed for oneness because oneness has benefits. There are actual benefits that come with oneness that you and I can't have when we aren't one. Can you believe that? There are actually benefits from God that are unlocked when we're unified, that are not unlocked when we're not. So let's go through some of them. Number one, right off the bat, the benefit of oneness is God's glory. A benefit of you and I being one is God's glory. Look at John chapter 17, verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Jesus says, attached to oneness is God's glory. Whenever you find a place of unity, you will find God's glory. Let me give you an example. When the snow was coming down here in Rutherford County, if you can remember that, <laughs> there was a couple days of ice, and then there were a couple days later of like real snow. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like real, I think, I don't know, four or five, six inches of real snow. And my kids were so excited, they couldn't wait to go out because we had been out on the icy day, and we had been on like a pool float, you know, and we were floating on the ice or whatever. But, but snow, there's something different about snow. And so we wake up that morning, we're getting ready to go outside, and you know, we're in the South. We get that, what, once every 15 years? So we don't have like real, you know, winter gear. You know I mean? We don't have real sleds. We have pool floats. You know, you, you don't have like real gear. You got like two mismatching gloves. You know what I'm talking about? Darla's putting plastic bags and then extra socks. That's how ghetto we are. And so, you know, you're just trying to get ready to go out into the snow. And so it goes to another level. Darla walks in, and she goes, babe, I just remembered something. I said, what? She goes, we have an air mattress. And I was like, you know, at first I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, how, how insane are we going to look? You know, when we're out, and then I was like, all right, let's do it. So we go, and she, she gets it, she blows it up, we get it out there. And if you're, if you're on Facebook, my Facebook, you'll actually see a video of me on it at one point, but she was on it, the kids were on it, so we're out there having a blast, okay? And there's like this little hill in the back of our neighborhood where all the different houses are, and we're out there, and, and I'm telling you the truth, while we're standing out there, we're the first ones out there, all of a sudden, this other family comes, this white family. They come, they bring their kids. And then a few minutes later, a black family comes out from their house. They bring their kids. And a few minutes later, an Indian family comes out and they bring their kids. All right, this is honest truth. I'm not making this up. This, our neighborhood is very diverse, a lot of kids in it. And so everybody comes out and, and they, bring, they all bring their kids. And, and my, my kids, Veda and Casey Ray, are on the mattress. And they start going, hey, y'all, come here, come here. And they're talking to all the other kids. Some of them they know, some of them they don't know. And so all of a sudden, all the kids are like running down the hill and they all get on this big old air mattress, all right? So you got white kids and black kids and Indian kids. They're all on this mattress and they are having a blast. They're just like, wee! You know, they're going down it. And then naturally, naturally, because our kids are playing together, the parents start to kind of get close, right? Because it's natural. My kids are here. And now we're talking about the snow and we have different beliefs, I'm sure. And we obviously have different cultures, but we're talking about the amazingness of the snow. And all of a sudden I just had this moment. I just kind of felt the Holy Spirit tell me as I'm watching this mattress with all these different kids with different races and different ages and different cultures, and nobody is on the mattress talking about their differences. They're all just enjoying the glory of God, the creation of God. And there's just this moment for me where I'm realizing, listen, when we are unified, the glory of God rests on us. 
There is nothing more amazing than to be with God's children who don't look like you. That's where God's glory is. God's children who, maybe they didn't live where you lived. One time we went to Chick-fil-A with Jeff and Melanie, and Jonah and I just sat there with like puppy dog eyes looking at them as they told us about their experiences in California. Because we've only been to California once, but we don't know their culture. And so hearing this culture, it was so cool to go like, wow, you lived in a totally different culture, but you love Jesus. That was such a cool moment for me. And learning that it doesn't matter who we are, or where we're from, that when we come together as one, God's glory rests on it. We have a friend, we're from Memphis, and we have a friend that's from Memphis, and she commented on the video. It was so funny. She commented, and she was like, I can't believe you got the air mattress out. And she wrote at the end, she wrote, that's so Memphis. <laughs> and it's true. It's so Memphis. Like, it is. But then I felt the Spirit of God say, see those kids on that mattress? It's so God. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, me being on it, 37 years old, out there in a plastic bag, socks, that's so Memphis. But those kids being from different races, different ages, different cultures, together laughing, enjoying the creation of God is so God. It's so God. It's where the glory of God rests. Unity is where the blessing of God rests. Watch this. It's so powerful because nothing reflects God's image and heaven's image like oneness. Nothing reflects the image of heaven like oneness. Far too many of us are satisfied with the part of Christianity Christianity that takes us to heaven, but not the part that brings a bit of heaven down to earth. We're infatuated with the idea of going to heaven but not too many of us focus on the idea that while living for Christ here, we can actually bring a taste of heaven to earth. Jesus praying for, please hear me, Jesus praying for oneness was him wanting us to experience a little taste of heaven on earth. I remember hearing a guy say before, if you don't like to worship God, you're not gonna like heaven. You know, and he was making the point, like, we're gonna, that's what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to worship God. It's not really quite the way I would go about it, you know, telling somebody, if you don't like worshiping God, you're not going to like heaven. But then when I read that, I step back and go, if, if you don't like oneness, you might not like heaven, right? If that moment for me with all of those kids was just a moment where God's allowing me to experience heaven on earth, If I can't get with that now, it's going to be difficult when it's for eternity. When we embrace oneness, the glory of God rests. The second benefit is God's power. Last week, I talked about the Holy Spirit, and I mentioned that when we get to the book of Acts, I'll talk more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit. But I do want to use a verse for a moment to illustrate what I'm talking about, because you'll see all throughout Scripture moments where unification equaled power. Okay, so we'll go to Acts 2 just for a moment, verses 1 and 2, and watch what this says. When the day of Pentecost came, we talked last week about what the day of Pentecost was. It was 50 days after the day of Pentecost. is the holiday they celebrated. When that day came, they were all together, all together. They were all together in what? One place. They were all together. They were unified. They were oneness. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Because they were unified, the power of God was unlocked. 
See that? It wasn't until they were unified, then suddenly it came. Because once there is unification, under that attitude of oneness, there are certain things in God's power, certain things in God's toolbox that are unlocked to us because we are unified. Let me give you an illustration. One time, Dawn and I got invited. I, I, I think I might have been speaking at something. I can't remember why we were there. But we got invited, and the people had already got us a hotel. And so we just showed up and got our key from the desk. And we go over. It's a really nice hotel. We were like, oh, wow, that's really nice. And we go to the elevator, walk in the elevator. And there was like, let's just say there was 15 floors. I can't remember the exact number. But there was like 10 buttons you know, in its own column. Then it kind of skipped. And like the last five floors were in like a different column. And so we're like, that's interesting. So, so we, let's say we were on floor 12. I don't remember. We, we, we picked floor 12 and nothing happened. Like we pushed the button and it didn't light up, you know? And so we were like, well, we thought this was a nice hotel. Like the elevators don't even work. And so, you know, we were pushing it. We're like, well, maybe this one's broken. So, so we got out of the hotel or got out of the elevator. We went to the other elevator and pushed the button. Same thing. Didn't work. And we're like, maybe it's us, right? Maybe we're just stupid. Maybe we don't know how to operate elevators. So we just kind of waited for a minute, and then somebody got in the elevator, and they pushed like nine, and it worked. And so we rode up to floor nine, and then we rode back down to floor one, and we were like, we can't get this to work. So we went over to the front desk, and we were like, hey, real quick, uh, we're, we're on floor 12, but we can't get the elevator to work. And so the woman was like, oh, I know what's up. Come on. And so we're going there. We had never had anything like this before. She said, because you're on those floors, there's like extra security or whatever the concept is. She said, you have to take your room key card. And there was this little sensor above, little circle sensor. And she said, you have to put your room key on there. And then now you can push the button. And sure enough, when she put the room key up there, now the button. And she said, it stops people from coming to your floor that don't, you know, don't have any business being there because they don't have the room key. I was like, that's incredible. So why? I'm not rich. I didn't know that, right? That was, that was awesome. But it was like, it was kind of this situation where like, like these floors were available to everyone. But if you wanted this up here, you had to have this card. You know what I mean? And once you had this card, these floors became available to you. And I couldn't help but start thinking about the idea that there's certain things when it comes to God's power, that these things are available to everyone. But once we unify, once we become one, it's like we unlock certain things. All throughout the Bible, God chose to do things when his people were unified that he would not otherwise have done if his people had not been one. There's just certain things about the power of God that he won't do if we're not unified. But when we become one, it's like having that special card and things get unlocked and stuff starts to happen. Listen to me. In Acts chapter 2 and all throughout the New Testament, miracles did not happen because they had the best program or the best technology or the best building. They always happened because people bonded together for a common purpose across racial, class, and gender lines. God manifested himself when they became one. We got to catch that. If you watched last week and now you believe in the Holy Spirit, you have to understand that God will manifest himself in a powerful way when we become one. But as long as we're divided, as long as the body of Christ is scattered, there's going to be things that we won't be able to experience. Jesus said, all right, now that you're one, I got to show you some stuff. 
I think that it's possible that there's some things you and I have been praying for and the only thing that's stopping them is we're not willing to be unified. Right? And so Jesus says, look, I'm praying for oneness for you, but not just for oneness sake. I want you to have oneness because there's certain benefits that come along with it. And I think this is kind of something that you and I have always kind of struggled with, you know? Like, remember when your parents would tell you you need to eat vegetables as a kid? And you'd be like, I don't know why, they're terrible. And it was so hard as a parent to explain, like, yeah, but there's benefits that come with it that maybe you're not even interested in right now. I like telling your kids to brush their teeth. It's the hardest thing in the world. My kids would be like, well, I brushed them two weeks ago. And I'm like, you're going to lose all your teeth. You know what I mean? Like, you know, then you get older and you realize, oh, this is why I should have brushed my teeth. I, I, that's just the kind of spirit I get as a parent. I think Father God is like, listen, y'all are missing it. You're experiencing a lot of great things that come with my presence. But because you are unwilling to be unified, there are certain benefits that you're missing out on. And if you would learn how to get past your, your, your differences and learn where you are after one common agenda, things will start unlocking. The glory of God's going to rest on you. You're going to experience joy like you never thought you could. You're going to see such unity and enjoyment being with people who are different than you. It's going to be incredible. And then there's going to be a power from God. Something's going to happen. Lives are going to be changed. And then last but not least is God's purpose. And this morning, I felt like he changed the word. I never got a chance to tell our media team, but I felt like he told me it's not God's purpose. It's God's kingdom. God's kingdom. It says in John 17, verse 23, I in them and you and me. <laughs> so good. I in them and you and me. Here we go again, distinct persons and one, so that they may be brought to complete unity. That's God's kingdom. Let me help you understand something. God's kingdom will not be, will, will not have disunity. God's kingdom is unified. God's kingdom is what is going to invade earth. God's kingdom is what's eternal. And God says, when you learn unity now and oneness now, not only will my glory rest on you, not only will you experience power, but you will start to experience the kingdom of God now, early. So watch this. I start reading John 17. I start having these thoughts about Captain Planet. And uh, I'm like, man, I hadn't watched this show in 25 years. And so I Googled it on YouTube and I watched an episode or two and I was all into the theme song. And I started having some certain questions. So I, I Googled it. I wanted, I wanted to find out some details. Did, did you know, I didn't know this because at what, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, you don't think about stuff like this, but all five of the kids were from different countries. Did y'all know that? One kid was from Brazil, one kid was from the Soviet Union, one kid was from Asia, uh, there was one American, and he was from New York City, <laughs> where God is, you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. But I just thought that was so wild. Like, you got, you got these 
these, these five teenagers, young adults, whatever they were, and whoever thought about this show said, we want to bring them from all over the world and we want them to come together. And when, listen to me, how almost prophetic this is, I'm scared to say that word, but uh, that when someone's trying to destroy the earth, we will unify these individuals from all over the world and they will come together with one purpose in mind, one common agenda. And when their powers combined, they will form this being <laughs> known as Captain Planet and they will unleash the power of this superhero. Are you following along with me by any chance? That Jesus, who by the way, obviously prophetically put in place the idea for Captain Planet anyway, John 17 is like, I'm gonna pray for oneness so that when the enemy is coming after our planet, our world, I can call my children, my daughter, my son from all over different countries. And when they come together, it will not be about what language they speak. It will not be about what culture they enjoy. It will not be about the color of their skin. It won't be about whether or not they wear Jordans or Crocs. It won't be about whether they listen to country music or rap music. They will come together with one purpose, one agenda, one kingdom, and their unity will let loose a power so powerful, and his name is Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, let me show you. Let me, uh, where, I'm sorry. I went my, Erica, come here. Erica, come, come, come here for a second. Come here for a second. Uh, Jonathan, come here for a second. Desiree, where'd you go? Desiree, come here for a second. Hunter, Hunter Hogwood, come here for a second. Come here. Chris, Chris, where'd you go? Come here for a second. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Bless these people. Y'all start to, start to learn when you come to Victory Church, you're, you're, you might be used on stage. Come here. Come here. Come stand right here. Come stand right here. All right, come, come, let's see, come stand by him. Whoa, whoa, come, hurry, hurry, hurry. All right, so what we got? We got two girls, three boys. All right, so we're going to put the boys, we'll put girls in between you. There we go. Hunter, come down here. Yeah, make sure Miss Erica go right here. Miss Desiree, go beside Jonathan over here. Hunter, come over here. All right, this is so cool. This was so cool to me. Now watch this. All right, put your hands out like that, like you got a bracelet on. There you go, there you go. This is, this is so cool, though, because, all right, this, this is what would happen on the show. Right? And people from all these different cultures, they come together and they'd be one. Heart, earth, fire, wind, water, come together and we form Captain Planet. But this is so prophetic. I know it might, I know it might seem a little silly, but you got to go with me for a moment. That God would bring people different ages, different cultures, different race, and bring what's unique about them. Because you don't have to be like me. Because this is not about my agenda. And if all we have is a bunch of Troys, we got a problem. Because we got a bunch of weaknesses. But he'll bring you with your unique ability, and 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 he'll put them together. And he says, the only thing that's missing is oneness. And if we can get that figured out, all of a sudden there's a presence of something greater than we could ever imagine. And it's life-changing and it's world-shaking. And it only comes through unification. 
Oneness. So here's what I need you to do. If you're in here, put your hand out for a second. If you're watching online, I don't care where you are. If you're at home, put your hand toward the screen. If you're in the gym, you're on the treadmill, put your arm out for a second. I need you to hear this. God has you in his kingdom. You're in his kingdom. Well, well, I'm different. That's what makes you special. But nothing works until we're willing to get past the differences that don't matter and come together. And it's in these moments. Come on, church, you got to hear this. It's in these moments where we are one. I know your arms are getting tired. I don't care. You need to work out more. Keep them up. Where God does something through one. This, this is oneness. Because it sure ain't sameness. It's oneness. But this is the moment where God moves. But here's the sweet spot. Keep your arms up. You can switch arms if you need to. But watch this. Watch this. Watch this. God's not here to take your side. God's not here to take your side. God's not even here to take your side. And he's not here to take my side. Because God's not here to take sides. He's here to take over. And when we're willing to put our agenda aside and come to oneness, it's understanding that it's not about your agenda or your side. It's about his agenda. It's about his side. And that's the overall thing that keeps us together. Amen? So put your hands down for a second. Let me get in the middle of you. I'm going to hold Miss Erica's hand in your hand. All right. So, so, band, go ahead and come up here for a second. Mel, come up here, because we're going to do uh, uh, every chain break, whatever that song is you just sang. <laughs> Sometimes you get in the Holy Spirit, you can't even think straight. What would happen if we stopped looking at how different we are and what separates us and look to the essentials that unify us and begin to show the world the Christ that we profess? What if we begin to unify with other Christians, humbled ourselves with regards, watch this, to non-essential beliefs and practices, and we unified as a multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-background, multi-age, multi-preference body of Christ? What if we were so unified, the world couldn't help but be drawn to the Jesus that we profess? Think about that. What if we were so unified that people couldn't help but want to know that Jesus, right? The goal of the church should be to glorify God by reflecting the values of God among the people of God through letting the truth of God be the standard by which we measure right and wrong in the way we accept culture, class, and skin color. So here's how I want to end this service. There's no doubt that there is a chain of bondage when it comes to unification and oneness. So I thought we'd pray for it. So we'll pray, and then you'll lead us in worship. And I'm hoping that you're joining us in praying. Because I'm not just saying this because it's culturally relevant, not just saying it for oneness sake. I'm saying it because I believe the words of Jesus Christ, and I believe 
that if Jesus thought it was so important in John 17 to say one prayer for us and the prayer was for unity, it must be important. But I don't believe it breaks because I pray. I believe it breaks because we pray. So Father, right now we come to you in the most genuine way. We're not concerned about words. We're not concerned about rituals or practices. Our prayer is simply, Father, that you would help us be an agent, an agent of change when it comes to division. That maybe it starts here. I don't know. But for every one of us, for those in our church, I just want to do what you prayed, Father. I want to be one the way that you and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. I want to be unique in who I am. I want to dress like I dress. I want to listen to the kind of music I like. I want to, I want to watch the shows that I like. I want to be Troy because I don't think that you've ever called anybody to be something other than what you created them to be. So I want to be me. I want Hunter to be Hunter. I want Desiree to be Desiree. I want Jonathan to be Jonathan. I want Erica to be Eric. I want Chris to be Chris. But Father, only you and the Holy Spirit can link us in such a way that we could be distinct people in our unique differences. But somehow we're one. Somehow we're about the same agenda and the same kingdom. Somehow we put those little differences aside and we focus on what matters and that's the gospel and you and salvation, discipleship and this world being changed. I pray for every Victory family member that's watching online right now, that's listening online right now. I pray this prayer over them. We will not let division stop the power of the local church. I pray it over every church, Father. Whether this is their heart or not, I pray it becomes their heart. I want your glory to rest on me. I want my kids to experience that glory. I want your power. I want my kids to experience that power. And Father, I want to see your kingdom on earth now. Because I know it's my eternity and I can't wait to live it. So why not live it now? And I know it's a chain. For some of us, it's a chain that we don't want. For some of us, it's a chain that we can't shake. And Father, I believe the only way that that chain will ever be broken is through the power of Jesus Christ. And so that's our prayer right now. We come together. Hopefully those that are watching with us, listening, they come together. And maybe it's just one step moving forward and bringing true oneness to the body of Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.